Welcome to the Depth Chart Podcast. My name is Freddie Maggard. I'll be one of your hosts today, along with Nick Roush in Louisville. Uh, today is Thursday. It is a snow day here in Woodford County, and uh, we have uh, no school here, Nick. So, Oh, they actually called off school, even though you're not yeah. going in? No, we're going in. Uh, oh. Woodford County is in person. So, But the, the, good, the best part about it is there's no virtual learning and no NTI day, so there's no school which no. I was freaked out about because I could not do fifth grade math. I'm just <laughs> going to put that out there. I can't do it. I can't help. Uh, it kicks my butt, you know, so it is what it is. And, and I'm not very good at math, Nick. So no, uh, no. What we are deep. Raw, we are raw stats about, and numbers. Yeah. 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 What we are, we're okay. or decent about talking football, uh, but we asked for questions and we got some good ones in. And uh, I'm going to change it up. I'm going to do the, the question asking this time, Nick Rouse. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, the first question is from Amber. She wants to know, does Nick have any new dieting tips this week? Who? Um, that's a great question, Amber. See, here's the thing, Freddie. Uh, one good dieting tip. Don't drink all day long during football games or you will just exhaust yourself and that's exactly what i did sunday have bloody marys yeah we we did like a brunch with some friends and the thing too freddie is i never really hit it hard so really i was just like kind of making myself tired and it was exhausting it was so exhausting that i went to bed at 8 30 monday night and woke up at six i got like 10 hours of sleep it was miraculous but yes so don't don't drink all day maybe just a portion of the day when you do because if not you're just gonna get tired and i completely lost my day of dieting on monday well i, I thought when you was talking about drinking i thought you was gonna go back into our water thing so uh, <laughs> yeah i'm still doing the gallon challenge nick i'm still on it man i and i'm trying to do the fasting deal you were talking about mm-hmm. and uh you know it, it is it, it's going okay i can't get out and walk today which is making me a little bit upset because of the snow mm-hmm. uh but you know, that, one, that's, that's our dieting stories. The the one good thing that makes the fasting thing easier, you can still drink black coffee in the mornings. So like, you know, I just don't yeah. eat breakfast till like 10. So, or, you know, right before we go. Well, that brings up another good topic before we get into football. Okay. Okay. I made the best purchase of my life a couple weeks ago. Ooh. I bought an espresso machine. Really? Yeah. And, and I cannot tell you how much I love the Nespresso machine. <laughs> I go to bed at night, wake, laying there trying to sleep, excited about getting up and having coffee in the morning. That's how good that stuff is, man. You strike me as like a black coffee from a gas station kind of guy. Nespresso, I, that, that, that's a surprise. Listen, it's marketing, man. I mean, I had a friend tell me about it. They loved it, and and I've always wanted one, and I never spend any money on myself. And and the George Clooney commercials got me too. <laughs> I mean, he makes it look so delicious. So I, I had to I had to splurge, and and I I freaking love it, dude. I mean, it is it is it's the best part of my day. So uh, RF, my, my question ahead, for man. you though about this this machine is it yeah. like a latte that you use? Like, does it do you make it with milk or is it still well, like coffee coffee? 
it, it, it's espresso coffee. But here's the deal. I also bought the little frothing machine thing. So I pour a little almond milk in there, hit the uh. froth thing, then pour the almond milk on top of my espresso, and it is freaking awesome. Oh, I've nice. had a couple cups, so I'm pretty jacked up for this podcast. I'm just going <laughs> and warn you on that, dude. Uh, on that deal. Uh, RF Wells wants to know, how does quarterback one, how good does quarterback one have to be in order to win seven, eight, nine, ten games? Uh, that's a good question. Is it going to be Bill Allen? And this kind of feeds into some other questions we got. Is it going to be Bill Allen or Jory Gatewood? Uh, I know a lot of people are, are already trending towards Bo Allen. Uh, but we'll see. It's going to be a competition. I mean, with, with Lee Cohen's offense, the, the heavy emphasis is on accuracy. And we've not seen enough of Joey Gatewood to see if he is, has the accuracy level to run this offense. We've seen that from Bo Allen from high school. Mm-hmm. And he's not had a lot of opportunities at the college level. Uh, but the quarterback play, in my opinion, Kentucky's a seven, eight, nine, ten wing season, however you want to, whichever number you want to choose, if it gets average quarterback play and average receiver play. And, and, and that's, that's, a, we're, that's going to be a topic we get into later. But, uh, you know, I, I think automatically with the simplicity of the completion triangle or the completion uh, 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 reads that, that the quarterbacks are going to have, there are going to be completions in there. You're going to see automatically due to system, you're going to see better quarterback play, higher percentage of completions and more yards downfield. The, uh, the thing is, Freddie, is like you don't, you aren't really asking for much to be better than what you were. You know what I mean? Like, right. All it takes is going 19 for 25 for 190 yards and two touchdowns, no interceptions. And that's dramatic. That's light years ahead of what Kentucky had uh, really over the previous, you know, three, four or five years. I mean, there, there hasn't been that many, the games have lightened up through the passing game. They've been few and far between. So, the good news is, is I don't think you really need to ask a ton from your quarterback, but like you said, you need to be accurate, uh, efficient, uh, don't turn the ball over, and, and let these guys go to work. So I'm, uh, yeah. I, I do appreciate too, Freddie, that you you first called him Bill Allen. I think that's going to happen yeah. quite a few times. Yeah, the, you're going to get that the, the Bill Bo mix up. I, I know, you know, for those that don't know, I, Bill Allen, Bo's dad was a teammate of mine, and I've known Bill for many years, uh, and I will, I'm sorry about that, Bo. Uh, but, but one thing I will say about the quarterbacks, Nick, they have to be good enough, whomever it is, to loosen the box. And, and yes. that, that, that's it, period. Mm-hmm. If they're good enough and, and enough of a threat to go downfield and to loosen the box, that'll free up Chris Rodriguez in that running game. Uh, Grant Bolt wants to know, no one is talking about John Young on the offensive line depth chart. Highly talented recruit, why is he forgotten? Well, he, he's not forgotten. Uh, I hear Coach Stoops talk about him quite often. You have to remember, offensive linemen are different. That is a, that is a different position group uh, for the most part as far as offensive linemen are slow cookers. It takes a while for them to gain strength, for them to gain uh, uh, schematic awareness to be able to, to understand what the defense is trying to do. I mean, it takes a while to develop those offensive linemen. John Young is just fine. Just get, he just He's just a redshirt freshman, so give him a little time. Again, you have to understand, offensive linemen, it takes a little longer to develop. Yeah, and I will say, too, that the the, the new scheme, that the, it's, it's right up his alley. 
So he's he's going to be doing just fine. And Freddie, I, I think when we think about a couple of the offensive linemen that have been immediate guys, there's only three that have been like that. One of them's Darren Kennard, one's Landon Young, one's Drake Jackson. You know, everybody else, maybe even a guy like Stenberg, who was taken in what the third, fifth round, fourth, fourth, fourth round. round. I mean, he, you know, took him two, three years before he's getting on campus. Kentucky starting center next year has already graduated college. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it, it it just take a while. It, it takes a while, and, and and again, you know, these 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 offensive linemen that have redshirted, just give them a little bit of time. Um, now there, the, and then I, I will add too. One of those exceptions might be Jagger Burton. Like, yeah, that, yeah, absolutely. Know, there, there's a Let's, couple exceptions every once in a while, and he might be one of them. Yeah, Jagger, I, I think, and we'll get into that a little bit later uh, with the with the offensive line. But yeah, I think you're absolutely correct. Jagger Burton is a generational talent. Uh, the two four seven national guys said he was the most athletic offensive lineman in the country in this recruiting class. So. That kind of talent is rare, like Darren Kennard, Jagger Burton, et cetera. Uh, so, so those players could have immediate impact, but mostly offensive linemen are slow cookers. Uh, the next question is from Randy Hendry. He says, last year before the season, the big question was quarterback and receivers. At the end of the year, quarterback and receivers. This year, it's quarterback and receivers. That's true. I mean, that, yeah. that, 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 that's two positions. Position been saying that for a that long time, Freddie. For a while, we, we touched a little bit on the quarterbacks. That's going to be the focus of spring practice. But I think you wrote that Kentucky has 16 scholarship receivers uh, on this team right now, right? Or 15 with, with Branham leaving. Yeah, uh, I believe that's correct. I, I, I got into that a little bit, and I put the receivers into different categories. Um, I think the first category is – Josh Ali and Wandell Robinson. We know that that's going to be a known factor because they're proven entities. Wandell, what he did at, at, at Nebraska. Josh Ali, 54 uh, receptions, 473 yards a year ago. Those two are known factors, and they're going to be starters. Yep. Then the next category are some of the young guys. Donut Drennan, Tay-Tay Crooms, Ernest Sanders, and Isaiah Cummings. Okay. At least one or two of those guys are going to have to surface as a, as, as impact players. Yes, uh, I agree. Then you have the returners, Demarcus Harris, Isaiah Epps, Cleveland Thomas, Akeem Hayes, Daly. Bryce Oliver, and Allen Daly. Mm -hmm. At least one or two of those guys are going to have to have breakthrough seasons. I'm not talking a 10-catch breakthrough season. I'm talking a breakthrough season where – uh, one of those veterans can be threatening to the to the secondary, and we talk about the quarterbacks opening up the box. Uh, Wondell Robinson is is an automatic box unloader at the receiving position. One or two of those veterans are going to have to step up. It's mm -hmm. time. I mean, they've been on campus long enough. They unfortunately have had multiple receiver coaches. Now they get back to back same coach with a new system. Maybe that would benefit one of those veterans. And then you got the newcomers, Chauncey Magwood, Christian Lewis, Devontae Ross, and DeKale Crowdis. One or two of those guys. So I think I think you have a collection of one or two of the newcomers, of the young guys, and then of the veterans will join Ali and Robinson uh, in order for Kentucky to have a chance in the passing game. And I would add that of those two middle groups, the kind of experienced returners and then the guys who were here last year, uh, 
who you know you're, you're young kind of redshirt freshman or whatnot there will be two or three of those who will will end up getting into the portal once this spring season comes on this receiver room it's it's a tryout it's it's, it's more like spring tryouts than it is spring practice because they got to tell coach cohen that i'm here for real i'm here to play i'm here to catch passes and they got they're going to get 15 practices to prove it um and you know who as the pecking order forms there's there's going to be some that end up uh, looking to play elsewhere yeah, and I thought – I honestly thought they would, there would be multiple transfers out of that receiving room uh, by now. And yeah, I, was, I did too. I, I was wrong on that, uh, apparently. You know, some they of the want to prove veterans, it, man. I'm glad. I'm glad, yeah, uh, I'm glad they're trying to put their money where their mouth is, and now it's like, well, go go do it. Go show us something. Yeah, I mean, that, that shows me that they're hungry and they, and they want to prove what they can do to an NFL uh, coach that's now their offensive coordinator. Tom Sullivan wants to know, where is Liam Cohen? Um, I think he's here, right? I, I, I th- yeah, he's here. Okay, I yeah. think, to I, my best knowledge, he's here. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know when exactly he got here, um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's happening. And uh, Freddie, I'm sorry, I'm distracted, but Deshaun Watson wants to trade, and my God, the what you, the Houston Texans, you've got to be kidding me that you could not make this work with this guy. Yeah, they they need to make that happen. He's 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 one of the one of the great ones and one of the young, really good quarterbacks in the NFL. They get they got to do whatever it takes to keep him in Houston. If not, they had a chance to in the offseason. They're idiots. They're absolute idiots. That franchise is a mess. I mean, absolutely mess. Mm. Bully's belly wants to know which of our cupcake games this year is going to be harder than anyone expects. Well, no offense to your old coach, but it's not going to be Louisiana Monroe. I'll tell you that no. right now. Well, that's not my old coach. That's his brother. Oh, which uh, which Bowden did you have? I had Tommy Bowden. That's Terry uh, Bowden. See, the alliterative names, man. Oh, gosh. I thought <laughs> – but, yeah, I, I – don't... Nick, you need one of my espresso specials, man. You, I know. You're, you're off today. <laughs> we um, need to get you back on your game, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's, yeah, gosh dang it. Um, <laughs> define cupcake, Freddie, because like – Yeah, that's that, – Because for me, I, I mean, we can just get into the schedule a little bit and come back to questions. But I, I know when folks focus on when they see the schedule, your eyes immediately go to October. When you play Florida LSU at home, and then you go to Georgia. That's a hell of a three-game stretch. Fun three-game stretch, too. Could be a historic three-game stretch. Right. But, well, really, the the season's defined, and and, and when we're doing these projections, it's all about beating the teams you should and how good are you at beating the teams you should. And that Mississippi State game after a bye, I don't know about you, Freddie, but I remember coming out after about, I guess it would have been four trips ago, whenever Vince lost his cool. Yeah, he, yeah, he yeah. lost his mind while we were in the room right next to him because Kentucky it came out flat in a bye week and lost to Mississippi State. That place, Kentucky yeah. has not won there since 2008. And right. to, to, to go to – those are the kind of teams that ruin a great season, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and, and, and we can segment, segue right into the schedule portion, Nick. Uh, open up Louisiana Monroe, Terry Bowden. Retired offense. Just, 
let's just get in. Owen ten last year, uh, just a bad team. I mean, it, it, Terry Bowden's a new head coach, but you know, it just a bad. Kentucky will, will win that game and win it easy, and that's a good way to to, set, to to get into the season against a team that that really you should beat by a lot. And 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 I'm anxious for that game just for that fact because Kentucky gets a warm up game prior to Missouri coming to Kroger Field uh, five and five a year ago. Uh, did lose Larry Roundtree, the running back. Nick Bolton, the linebacker, both are going to the NFL, but but brings back Connor Basilak, I think is a really good quarterback. And, and you know, Kentucky lost 20 to 10 last year in Columbia. My my thought is on the schedule as we get to the Missouri game is Kentucky has to win the battle of the Columbia's to have a successful season, Columbia, Missouri, Columbia, South Carolina, Kentucky has to beat Missouri and South Carolina teams. They should be uh, to have, to have a successful season. The first Columbia of the season is Missouri coming to Lexington. Uh, that's a big game. Uh, game two should be off a big win against Louisiana Monroe, big game. Uh, then Kentucky hosts Chattanooga. That's a win. You know, we, we won't go into win and losses, but that's another game that Kentucky should uh, mm-hmm. should be able to develop younger players and, and have its way. And then travel to South Carolina. Uh, Shane Beamer is apparently the best coach in the history of college football. Uh, South Carolina is coming off a two and eight season and apparently is a top 10 team, according to the media, that's all in love with South Carolina. Again, after Kentucky beat them 41 to 18, in Kroger Field uh, this last year. Uh, first road game. Uh, so you're going to have to look. The first road game for either Bo Allen as a starter for Bo Allen or Joey Gatewood. And that will be an interesting trip to South Carolina. I don't think it's – I don't think South Carolina is going to be a sneaky good team, as, as McElroy said. We'll get into that later. Uh, but then home to Florida. Florida loses a lot. Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts, uh Kadarius Tony, Trayvon Grimes, a lot of the defense. Florida loses a lot. I like the fact that Kentucky gets Florida early at home. However, I wish that Florida game was in November. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, like, I, that, that's never going to happen, Freddie. You know that, yeah. right? Yeah. Dan no, Mullen would have a conniption. Yeah. If that yeah. happened. And then LSU at home. Uh, LSU five and five a year ago was not spectacular. I think they found their quarterback in Jack Johnson. They're going to have a lot of skilled players. Uh, but I don't think this is, you know, this, this LSU team is going to be anything in the same stratosphere as the national championship team. Uh, again, another opportunity for Kentucky. All these games we've talked about are opportunities. I, I get a little bit flustered with, with people obsessing over the strength of schedule when, you know, my point is Kentucky's at a point in, in the program's progression under Mark Stoops that opponents are going to be there. I'm not into obsessing over the schedule or the opponents. I think the focus is really should be on Kentucky is focusing on Kentucky because there's a lot of questions that have to be answered before the Louisiana Monroe game. <clears throat> we'll get into that later. Then go to Georgia, Nick Rouse. Georgia's won 11 straight over Kentucky, 8-2 and two a year ago, has their quarterback in JT Daniels. Of the schedule, Georgia is the most talented and best team that the Cats have faced. Yeah, they uh, they really got rolling with uh, towards the end of the year with Daniels too. They can they can be scary this year. This might be uh, I haven't done enough digging as to who they've all lost and who's coming back yet, but 
it has potential to be Georgia's best team under Kirby Smart. Yeah, they still won't win the SEC. Uh, I mean, Alabama. I mean, I, until somebody beats Alabama, I will never predict anybody to beat to to win the SEC. I mean, yeah. it's just it's just a machine down there, man. It's just an absolute. What Nick Saban has is a machine. I, I do think Georgia finally does have an offense that can score with them at least. And, yeah. You know, that's yeah. that's what you got to be able to do. And the, the worst part of this all, Freddie, is Alabama. They have their highest-ranked recruiting class in history this year. Like, you know, they, the, the rich yeah. are getting richer. It's the highest-ranked recruiting class ever for any school at Alabama oh, in 2021. That's right. It's the yeah. highest-ranked recruiting ever. class in the history of recruiting. Yeah. <laughs> about that and then a bye week much needed bye week between georgia and going to mississippi state we already talked about that uh four and seven a year ago kentucky beat them 24 to two uh quarterback will rogers got a little bit of momentum going there towards the end uh the air raid was still a and dunk offense uh we'll see how that develops under mike leach in year two then come home to tennessee Three and seven a year ago, Kentucky beat the, beat Tennessee thirty-four to seven in Knoxville. Josh Heupel takes over. Tennessee has had a mass deflection of transfers. Uh, could be a tough first season for Heupel, and, and that's our next topic. We'll get into that in depth, and then go to Vandy. Uh, I guess bully's belly question. I think Vandy is would be considered a cupcake, but yeah. I think I think with anytime you have quarterback Ken Seals, I, I really like his game. And Vandy always finds a way to, to have good skill players and tight ends. Uh, and then Clark They made Lee it close last over. year in, in garbage yeah. time, too. Like, they, yeah. there's – Vandy is one of those we're not going to be able to take for granted, you know, maybe two years from now. Yeah, Van, Vandy, to me, is a hit-and-miss team. Yeah. I mean, every, every week I see them, they're either in games or they're getting blown out. So <laughs> – I mean, just pick your poison there with Vandy. Clark Lee will do some do good with that defense. I think Derek Mason did a great job with that defense anyway for the mm-hmm. talent that he had. Uh, but I think if to answer Bully's Belly's question, that is a that 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 is a cupcake game that could be a little bit closer. And then New Mexico State former Wildcat quarterback Doug Martin brings New Mexico State to Kroger Field. Uh, they didn't even play football last year, Nick. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, yeah, because uh, New Mexico they had the really strict COVID rules, and yeah, some of them went to like Vegas to play their seasons. It was uh, it was a nightmare, yeah, and that's a warm up for the uh, Governor's Cup at Louisville four and seven a year ago. Uh, lose 2 2 at well, uh, running back, uh, as Fitzpatrick, uh, the receiver, uh, pretty much everybody do have. Yeah, they do have Malik Cunningham coming back. He, he's, he's a good player and, and can be dynamic at times. So, uh, finish the season at Louisville. So, there it is. That's the schedule. Um, again, I, I don't see a Sharpie L on the schedule. Uh, I think Georgia is going to be the, 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 the toughest game on the slate. However, I see this schedule as being optimistic for Kentucky if, if it answers a few questions uh, going into – uh, the season after spring ball. Uh, let's get into Tennessee a little bit, Nick Roush. Man. Josh Heupel, how about that? Uh, new athletic director from Central Florida, hires the head coach from Central Florida, Josh Heupel. And you know what? He was his number one choice. Number one and, choice and, the and, whole time. That makes sense. And the AD was a little bit 
unhappy that that fans were not uh, crazy about this hire. It's like, dude, the way you're talking about it, like, of course. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to Tennessee, uh, there, Mr. Athletic Director. But seriously, does that dude does that dude not know where he is? Like, you know, maybe it's that's his first lesson that things are a little bit different in Knoxville than they are Orlando. Uh, there's a lot of stuff to do in Orlando other than obsess over Central Florida Golden Knight football. But in the state of Tennessee, other than uh, uh, Dollywood, Memphis, and Nashville music, the entire – you know, what else is going on in Tennessee? I mean, they're, they're all crazy about UT football, and they're going to talk about it. They're going to tweet about it. They're going to uh, – the fans are, are crazy about their, their team down there. And that, that's good. The passion is great as misguided as that passion has been at times, but at least they're passionate. Uh, but Josh Apple comes from Central Florida where in the first year I started strong a lot with the players that Scott Frost had, had assembled there, went 12-1, and one, lost in the Fiesta Bowl, uh, 2019, 10-3, uh, won the Gasparilla Bowl. Mm, and then nice. a year ago, 6-4 and four, and lost in the Boca Raton Bowl. So, uh, 12 and 1, 10 and 3, 6 and 4. Things were not trending uh, upward for Hypo at Central Florida. Uh, I heard, I've, I've read a lot of the Central Florida fans that are, that are not upset that he left. I mean, he is inheriting a team that I can't think of any other program that has been decimated through the transfer portal more than Tennessee, Nick. Uh, both are running backs. Ty Chandler went to North Carolina, Eric Gray went to Oklahoma. Uh, their best player on the team, Henry To'o, To'o, is still undecided, but he's transferring. Other starting linebackers, Quaverius uh, Crouch, he's transferring. I mean, starting linemen, I mean, we could go down the list. Uh, Jared Garitano is going to Washington State. J.T. Strout, Trout going to Colorado, both quarterbacks. I mean, Man. down the list, there's a bunch of transfers from Tennessee. Uh, he, he could have a rough first season, not only installing, implementing, and playing a system, or scout offensive scheme that Tennessee's not used to and does not have the personnel uh, to run. So it could be a tough year for Josh Heupel. How much fun is it going to be, Freddie, that after Kentucky beats Florida in a night game at Kroger Field, we're going to do all our work up in the press box, go home, turn on the tube to wind down, and Jared Garantano is going to be throwing pick six for Washington State at one in the morning. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun. Yeah. It seems like Garantano's been in college for 37 years. So that, that, but he, you know, he, that, didn't he start as a true freshman for him? He did for a while. Yeah. yeah. You know, so. look at Tennessee, the transfer. Oklahoma's gotten three transfers. Uh, starting receiver Brandon Johnson ironically transferred from Tennessee to Central Florida. So uh, it, it's a mess down in Knoxville with, with the NCAA cloud over their heads. I, I think they're going to get hammered, and uh, it, it's a mess. So. There it is, the, the Tennessee segment of the Depth Chart Podcast. Nick, do you have anything else to add on their neighbors to the south? Um, like, I, like there's, there is a scenario where I don't think Josh Heupel is going to be good in this long-term success, but they're going to – they can win some dumb games playing that system, just the same way that Lane Kiffin kind of has to an extent. So – and we saw how, like, when they're going to run this tempo, yes, they will make mistakes, and especially if they have a bad quarterback, if they can't find one. 
um, you know, then it's just going to go nowhere fast. But there is a scenario where they're going to, you know, po- po- that game could be trickier than we would like it to be at Kroger Field. You know yeah, what I mean? I, I, yeah, it could be. Uh, but again, it's just another sign of the times. I mean, just look at all the NFL coordinators that have come that are that are newcomers to the SEC. Now you bring in Heupel and Leach, Lane Kiffin. Uh, I mean, the, the SEC has turned offensive, and it's an it's a new world in the Southeastern Conference. And and you're either going to adapt or you're going to get left behind. And 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 it's it's going to be fun to watch. But uh, you can throw defensive stats out the window because a lot of these teams are going to put up points and yards, and, and it's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, the next topic, uh, Trevin Wallace, Nick. Man. Number 35 player in the country, number two inside linebacker from Wayne County, Georgia. Wayne County, Georgia is in Jessup, which is close to where Jamin Davis grew up in Ludowisi. Uh, it's in South Georgia. Um, Six-foot-two, 210-pound linebacker. At one time was a Boston College commit. Every, most people, he decommitted there was leaning towards or, 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 or trending towards Auburn. Uh, that coaching change did away with that. Yeah, that was huh? – I yeah. mean, in Freddie, not only did they fire their coach two days before signing day, but then the new coach didn't keep around the linebackers coach, which I, yeah. his name his name is um, escaping me right now. T-Rock or something, I think is what they called him. Uh, Tracy, no, that's Tracy Rocker. He's back. yeah, that's Tracy Rocker. The, the there's a guy who's their linebackers coach. Tra- is it Travis Williams? Is that? Something? I'm not for sure. But nevertheless, he was a linebacker that was there for a long time, coaching linebackers. He's their position coach. They could have kept him on, but instead they didn't. And now Kentucky, they've just been kind of hanging along this whole time, yeah. and the dominoes are falling at the perfect time. And yeah, really, they're they're boxing out Georgia now. And it's 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 like the classic Ohio State when they would come in and try to steal some you know UK recruits at the last minute, and UK would have to box them out. Uh, that's what they're doing right now, and I. I'm 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 confident going into it that that, that this is going to happen. And I mean, you want to talk about a recruiting coup? If you're able to, you lose Jamin Davis, but you pick up a guy who's a borderline five star recruit on National Signing Day. I mean, John Summerall, that dude's got some recruiting chops. Yeah, he does, and he joins Vince Merrill and just being the the superpowers as far as Kentucky recruiting. You know, Vince does his magic in Kentucky and Ohio, and has branched out. Uh, Washington, D.C., and some other places. But John Summerall down south has done a tremendous job. And if he lands this guy, uh, th- again, I mean, you know, I, I, don't, I think it's ironic that Jessup, Georgia, is right next to Ludowisi, Georgia, you know, where Damon Davis is from. Um, man, that, that's, that could be a big get for Kentucky on their traditional signing day. Uh, so that, that's, that's something man. definitely to keep on your radar. And, 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 track. To, and to do it, too. Uh, you know, on the heels of, I mean, that coup he pulled to get Josiah Hayes came out of nowhere, and this seemingly yeah. has too. So, I also think it it goes to show you too, Freddie, that while having a staff full of guys that are you know affable fellows that are good at talking to kids and families is important. If you got two or three really good recruiters. You know, they can carry a significant amount of the workload. And right now you got Clink up in Michigan and he's doing some yeah. stuff in Tennessee, Vince in Ohio and Kentucky, and then uh Summerall 
out in the South. I mean, those three guys that they're your really your only, I mean, of course, other guys are involved, but they're doing most of the work. If you can just get the other ones to get one or two here and there, like Amor yeah. Stewart got Devontae Ross, then you know, you're that that that's a recipe for success. Yeah, and I think I think the trend or the pattern that we need to follow on Wallace's recruitment is that of Christian Lewis. Uh, absolutely blew up and, and and major programs were coming after the Kentucky commit, but John Sumrall kept him committed and, and got him to December signing day, and, he, and Kentucky got a receiver out, out of the state of Alabama. Now it goes to Georgia, and and I think uh, you know I think things are trending well. Georgia and Auburn are really coming on hard here towards the end, and I think those two are, are Kentucky's biggest competition. But I like the Cats' chances here due to the fact that we've seen John Sumrall do this before. Yeah, um, yeah. There's only yeah. – right now there's only two players ranked higher than Wallace that are uncommitted. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Let's think in for him. Yeah. Uh, wow. Next thing I want to talk about, Nick, is, is uh, I wrote a piece on the website about Kentucky's toughest opponent in 2021 is Kentucky because I think there are a lot of challenges – that and a lot of questions that need to be answered uh, before we can project how Kentucky will match up against any opponent on the schedule. So uh, I, my focus, even on the day of the schedule release, was more internal than external uh, because we really don't know what this Kentucky team is going to look like. We all projected to be good, but but I want to see the quarterback situation play out. I want to see the competition between Bo Allen, not Bill Allen, and Joey Gatewood and, 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 and in this scheme. And I want to see how uh, these guys can adapt uh, and learn a scheme. And, and that's going to be done through installs. And uh, I would really want to see the accuracy there. I want to see uh, picking up the system. I want to see these quarterbacks take snaps under the center. They're going to huddle. There's so many different nuances of playing quarterback in this system. I think one of those two guys are going to flourish. And I think one of these two guys will separate uh, from the other, and it's not going to be close. Now, I don't know if that's going to be Gatewood or Allen, but this system will fit one of those two more than the other, and we'll see the starting quarterback by the end of spring practice. I'm, uh, I'm excited to see just how, how the – I mean, it's been so long since we've done – a new offensive system install and having those stories to talk about. Right. Um, and you know, like it's gonna be great. Cause it's probably day three is spring practice They're You know, they're, they're going to hit a wall at some point. Um, I mean, it's just, it's, it's natural yeah. to happen. Um, but man, uh, spring practice going to be most exciting spring practice in a long time. NFL system install is different than college system install because you have to realize the NFL coaches are used to, installing, teaching, and players understanding and be able to run offenses in a quick manner. Now, granted, they're pros, but, you know, you, you see the NFL. Soon after uh, the NFL draft, you're going to have uh, uh, rookie mini camps. Yeah. You know, by the end of the three days, there are, by the end of the three-day little mini camp in that offense. So, there's Cohen will have a system of installation of his scheme, and I think it's going to happen fast and then add to it as they go. No, yeah, you're exactly we right. Talk, we, we talked about the receivers and the three classifications. You know, Al, Josh Ali, Wondell Robinson, 
starters. And then you have a group of veterans. We talked about all this earlier. Uh, that's a position that's going to have to step up. Uh, but I think that the system, the route tree, everything it, it, with Lee, that Leon Coleman is going to bring to Kentucky, I think these, these, these receivers are a couple uh, the veterans and the newcomers, they're going to take off just like the quarterback. Some of them, are, it's just going to click for them. And, uh, you know, we, we've not heard about Ernest Sanders much, you know, a really good athlete. We've not talked about him a lot. Tay Tay Crooms, another one that Mark Stoops singled out uh, during one of his press conferences. We've not heard a lot about him. So, uh, and again, some of these veterans, if they're not in the one-two rotation of the depth chart, you can see some transfers out of there. Yeah, no, it's it's like I said earlier, spring tryouts. <laughs> yeah, it is, and then that leads me to the the next category is is, is the pass rush. Uh, Kentucky had 15 sacks a year ago. That was 11th in the SEC, which is which is not where you want to be. Of those 15, seven and a half of them are no longer on the roster. With Jamin Davis, Boogie Watson, Phil Hoskins, etc. So. Returning players for Kentucky for the 2021 season totaled seven and a half quarterback sacks. That's the number that's got to increase because, again, the SEC is becoming an offensive league. If you can't influence, if you can't alter the quarterbacks in the pocket, these coaches are good enough, and these quarterbacks are now good enough. You know, a few years ago, SEC was quarterback players deficient. Let's just be honest about it. Now it's a little bit different. If you can't influence that quarterback in the pocket, you're going to get beat. So Kentucky's going to have to find players that can rush the passer. Josh Pascal, one sack coming back. Jordan Wright, three and a half quarterback sacks. He's coming back. Uh, JJ Weaver, you know, we hope his recovery is, is speedy and 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 effective, so he can come back. But who else is going to uh, uh, chase the quarterback around? Uh, some have suggested. Sam Manili is a redshirt freshman from Florida, uh, very talented, 6'4", 275. Mm-hmm. He could be an option at the Jack linebacker, Justice Dingle, KD Daniel. We've just not seen these guys play yet. And, yeah, and, and that's, even that's yeah, even last year, Freddie, we had seen some of those guys play and had high hopes for them, and they just didn't. They, they didn't yeah. bring it. You know, they they didn't bring it yeah. like we thought they would. So um, that, yeah, it's a valid concern. It's a valid concern, especially a valid concern. with with a guy like Anelli, who's a great raw talent, but just hadn't played much football. And that's a position right. that, uh, te- you know, be developed. yeah, technique yeah. and the the tiny little nuances. Like, right. what I think is funny, Freddie, is when you watch like Josh Allen now, when he was working in the preseason with Kayvon Liaison or whatever that guy's name was, that was like their first round pick. The you see them when they're working together, they're like holding their hands out and twisting him in certain ways. Right. Football is, is, is all about leverage. It's not necessarily just brute strength and right. putting your hands in the right spot and hitting them at the right time and knowing when to push and pull. It's, it's all about leverage and that, yeah. those little nuances, it takes a long time to learn. Yeah. And, and that leads us into the next topic. Who's going to replace Jamin Davis? Uh, Jared Casey, highly uh, touted, player out of Louisville, played some last year. Uh, it, it's his time. It's time for him to step up. That's his position to take. I think he will make that leap. I think I think he will, will work his way into that role. 
Derek Jackson's another player, Marcus Brimbry, and then potentially Wallace there uh, as as an incoming true freshman. Uh, but but linebackers, you know, you have DeAndre Square, but he he's battled injury, so you need depth at that linebacker position, and, and that's certainly a, something that needs to be developed in the spring, in the offseason, going into. 2021, and then Kentucky loses three corners, Kelvin Joseph, uh, MJ Devonshire, and Brandon Nichols. Uh, Going to have to replace those guys. You have Carrington Valentine, who the coaches are really high on. Joel Williams is a defensive back that, that, that they're high on as well. Uh, Jamari Brown is now a junior. It's time for him if he's going to make his step. The opportunity is there for him. Andrew Phillips out of South Carolina. Uh, son of Carlos Phillips, another former cat uh, that we really liked on signing day. So Kentucky has effectively recruited in the secondary. And I think uh, uh, Clean Scale and Buffano do a really good job of developing those guys. We saw Kentucky lead the SEC in pass defense two years in a row. Uh, but they're going to have to identify a starting corner and uh, two starting corners, and that's going to be something – uh, that, that's going to play a role because, again, Kentucky's going to face teams that are going to throw the football all over the field. You have to have corners that can play on an island out there and and sometimes play man-to-man coverage that can cover some of these receivers that have we seen anything in 2020, a bunch of future NFL receivers that Kentucky's going to have to face. Yeah, the- uh, in this year, going in this year, we didn't know who exactly those guys were going to be. And right. we, we didn't expect it to be Devontae Smith Heisman Trophy winner, but that's, yeah. that's kind of how this league goes. You got some studs. I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. Really talented I mean, receivers all over the league, even if we don't know exactly who they are today. Well, I mean, you can, there's one right now, George Pickens out of Georgia. I mean, he's <laughs> – Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's pretty daggone good, you know, and there's going to be others. Mississippi State, uh, maybe those receivers step up and, and have a better year than they did this year. We'll, we'll see. But, I mean, there are going to be teams that are going to throw it all over the field, and Kentucky has to get some corners. And the last topic I want to touch on, uh, Nick, before we close it out, is, is Greg McElroy, who I respect, former Alabama quarterback. He works for the ESPN, SEC Network, or used to, whatever. Now that's, I can't tell who works for who now. Uh, said that Kentucky had the toughest four-game stretch in the Southeastern Conference with a game at South Carolina, LSU, Florida, at Georgia. Listen, there's not going to be a year that you're not going to get four-game SEC stretch that's going to be challenging. That's just part of it. <laughs> yeah. If, if you want to play a schedule that, that's not going to be challenging four-game stretch, go to the ACC. If you want to play against the best, then you play in the Southeastern Conference. I mean, it's simple as that. And there's always going to be a stretch like South Carolina, LSU, Florida, Georgia, at Georgia. At South Carolina. I mean, it's at South Carolina. We'll see. That's, that's the thing that, like, you could you, – you had me at three-game stretch. Um, but yeah. for, like, how many times has Alabama played – I mean, remember LSU's schedule two years ago? Where they were playing uh, top ten team basically every single week, yeah. like I yeah. mean, I get that you got you I know mean, he's paid to say stuff on television, and you know, shout out to yeah. him for at least giving and does a great a little bit I of a spotlight. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but I, mean, I, I like McElroy, but like, come on, the SEC is yeah. tough all the time. 
it's going to be a four, a four or three. I mean, how many, you, you can put the – the number may change, but the stretch of difficult games will not. It's always going to be a factor in the Southeastern Conference, and, and, and you just got to deal with it. And I think that's a selling point, you know, especially for Vince Marin, Ohio. You want to come down and play against the best, then then then, then let's let's step it up, tee it up in the Southeastern Conference. I mean, it, it's it's the best league, it's the most challenging league, it's the most difficult league to uh, maintain a winning record. I mean, I, look what Mark Stoops has done. I mean, just to maintain the bowl streak, the winning the bowl games. Uh, the 10 win season, uh, eight win season. I mean, it's just what he's done has been tremendous because he is, he's won at Kentucky at a level that's never been done before besides Bear Bryant. And that's, that's, that's to be amended because look at the coaches that have been fired. Kentucky hired Mark Stoops. I mean, Tennessee's gone through two now. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's just – it, it, the the coaching turnover is is at a high level because has it been more than two? No, it's just Butch Jones, yeah. Butch know. Jones and and Jeremy Pruitt, but but it's such a, a difficult three at Missouri, task. two at um, yeah. There's been a lot. It's been a lot. I mean, it, it's such a hard task to maintain winning at a level in the Southeastern Conference in, in Kentucky. You know, I, I think we need to, we need to be a you know. I think most fans are appreciative of what's going on right now with this football program and, and you know the argument well we're not we're not in the in the we're not winning the SEC do you know how hard that is to win the SEC East I mean that that is tough man that is tough so yeah I mean back to McElroy's statement you know I get it I understand why he said it but listen you're gonna have that three four game stretch every every year and that's what makes the Southeastern Conference the best league in college football yeah, <laughs> there's no doubt about it. Yeah. Well, Nick, yeah. this has been fun, buddy. I know. I'm just sad we don't got football this weekend to watch. You've been sighing and, and huffing and puffing, man. You okay? Yeah, I'm okay. You know, I'm really – I'm looking outside. I want to go play in the snow. Might build me a <laughs> snowman. <laughs> you need to. You need, you, you need to have a, a no-school day and go out and build a snowman. Or go sleigh riding. You ever go sleigh riding or sledding, however you say it? Yeah, yeah. I don't – the hill by my house, I'm sure kids are tearing it up right now. Yeah. Um, but I was just having a conversation earlier with my wife, and she was like, didn't we didn't we buy a snow shovel at some point? And I was like, uh, I think so. <laughs> I was like, oh, gosh. Hey, gonna... listen. <laughs> listen, man, where I, where I grew up, I mean, Harlan County, you know, with the elevation and – all the mountains. You had to wear a full fighter pilot outfit to go sleigh riding there, son. I mean, you could get going ballistic real quick, and uh, it was a dangerous sport. It was a, sleigh riding in Harlan County is a contact sport, so you got you got you got to be ready to roll when you get bought off some of those mountains. So I remember uh, one time because here's the thing too. Like my mom, she was smart. She wasn't going to buy us new snow boots when our feet are growing every year, so she had a bunch of like. Like my grandfather was a volunteer firefighter. So he had these old rubber boots and we would just stick, we would just wear our tennis shoes in his old, you know, fire boots from <laughs> the seventies. And believe it or not, one year we, 
after a you know a couple hours out, I was like, Mom, my toes are cold. And so we go in the car, <laughs> turns on the car, feels my feet, and is like, oh god, they're really bad. And has to start rubbing, you know, r- rubbing her hands on my feet to make sure I don't get frostbite or nothing. So uh, you know, <laughs> I, I may have lost a little feeling in my toes, but that's fine. It's just it, it ain't gonna hurt me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I. We uh we used to tackle those mountains, man, and, and get an inner tube and just I swear you would go ballistic down some of those mountains. You get going so fast. I'm well, surprised. I mean, more people hadn't gotten hurt doing that. The the thing that I forget too about <laughs> you know all of this is how much of a pain in the rear end it is to walk up the hill afterwards. Like, man, kids, yeah. you got so much energy if you're able to do that. My goodness, yeah. I just, if I ever won the lottery, here's what I'd do. I'd buy a house with a big mountain from where it snowed. And I would put one of those escalator things like they have at Peyote or whatever that is in Indiana where you go tubing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. You ever you ever done that? Uh yes. Yes. So you yeah, you go down the mountain on a tube, then you step on this conveyor belt and it takes you back up the mountain. Oh, That's man. what I'd buy if I won the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great that's great well i well, hope you win you the lottery freddie because i would be slowing down too. your hill yeah yeah i do too uh but thank everybody for listening i mean you can like us subscribe to us tell your friends about us and we appreciate you listening i uh, hope everybody's safe out there in the snow and nick thank you for another episode buddy hey thank you buddy you you enjoy this snow day no math for you no math for me. <laughs> That's the best thing I've heard all day is no math for me because you don't know how bad I was dreading that. So, yeah. <laughs> well, take care, Freddie. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks. See y'all.